Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. My favorite team in baseball is the Pittsburgh Pirates, and as a kid in the 1970s, there was plenty to cheer about with players like Willie Starge or Roberto Clemente, Dave Parker, and a sidewinding pitcher named Kent Tacalvi. I guess I just took it for granted the team I loved was pretty cool with the swashbuckling name of the Pirates. Well, as I got a little bit older, the question arose of affiliation with a buccaneer in a town that has no coastline, but only rivers. I dove into research on it, and this is what I found is was an interesting story that even includes my hometown of Erie, Pennsylvania, being involved in the naming of the Pirates. It's all coming up for you in just a moment. Hi, my name's Darren Hayes, and I know you've heard me on the Pigskin Dispatch talking about football history for years. Well, now I'm on a new mission, a quest to find sports history in other sports as well as football by learning through the jerseys and the apparel and the gear that the players wore and the franchises supplied their teams. It's an educational trip, and I'm taking you with me day by day, player by player, uniform by uniform, the Sports Jersey Dispatch. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my friends in sports history. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast, and welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to sports history. And we have some great connections to sports. And I came to the realization uh, just a few days ago that my favorite baseball team, the Pittsburgh Pirates, has a big connection to the city that I live in and grew up in, Erie, Pennsylvania, and it's just about 100 miles north of the city of Pittsburgh. And you may ask, you know, how could that happen? Well, it all started with my question where I said, how could my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Pirates, have a connotation with a swashbuckling pirate in the city of Pittsburgh. And those of you not familiar with Pittsburgh, there's no coastline there. There is no oceans, there's no lakes, there's no nothing that you would associate with a pirate other than the rivers. You know, they have the three rivers, the Mahongahelia and the Allegheny uh, River uh, go into form the Ohio River. Thus you get Three Rivers Stadium. And the city sort of centered right on that, that uh, triumvirate of the rivers uh, where they all join there. And where, but I don't ever know of any stories of a pirate, a swashbuckler that you see on the pirate's emblems being there. I associate that with the, the Caribbean or, you know, maybe the Atlantic Ocean or, or some other body of water, you know, similar to those. Uh, now, there had to be a story behind it. And I wanted to get to the bottom of it. So I did some digging and I came to the MLB's official website and they have an article that sort of answers my question. I'm going to share with you today. Great story. All starts on April 15th, 1876, according to the MLB's website. That's the start of the ball club. And they were originally known as the Pittsburgh Alleghenies. That's kind of an odd name in itself. Well, the story behind that is that the what we know as today the city of Pittsburgh was once uh, two different uh, municipalities. South of the rivers, it was the Pittsburgh. 
like we know it today. North of the river, or what people call affectionately as the north side today, that was the city of Allegheny City, uh, named for the nearby Allegheny Mountains in the area. Now, these uh, two ended up merging uh, in, I think, early in the 20th century. But at the time that the Alleghenies started playing, they were actually playing on the north side in Union Park uh, in the city of Allegheny as the Pittsburgh Alleghenies. And the north side is where Three River Stadium stood and uh, the PNC Park and Heinz Field stand today. It's also where the game of pro football you've heard over on Pigskin Dispatch, where it started with Pudge Heffelfinger was paid to play on the gridiron that first game in 1892. Anyway, the Alleghenies also played ball on the north side of the rivers at a venue named Union Park. And being that their home field was in the metropolis of Allegheny City, it's easy for the naming choice of the team to associate both towns, the Pittsburgh Alleghenies. And they were at first an independent and eventually joined a minor league uh, for a year in 1877 called the International Association. It must not have worked out so well because they disbanded after that season. No team in Pittsburgh uh, under the uh, Pittsburgh Alleghenies. A few years passed, and in 1882, the club reformed as the Alleghenies once again. And we've got a nice picture of that 1882 Pittsburgh Allegheny Club that we got from Wikipedia Commons as our banner and uh, in our article on jerseydispatch.com for this, uh, this Pirates origin story. And in 1882, they joined the American Association of Baseball. Uh, they also changed their home venue to be Recreation Park somewhere in there. And yeah, that's where Pudge Heffelfinger played in 1892. And Eventually, they jumped to the rival conference, left the American Association, which is now we know as the American League, and they left and joined the National League in 1887. And that association sounds pretty familiar because that's where the Pittsburgh Pirates play now. They are in the National League of Major League Baseball. In fact, the first game for the club in the National League was on April 30th, 1887, when they defeated the Chicago White Stockings 6-2. Now, that might be a story all in itself, why the Chicago White Stockings were in the National League. We'll cover that on a future one, I'm sure. Now, it may have been the highlight of the game for the first few years in the National League. The Alleghenies were a dreadful product, never finishing higher than fifth place in an A-team league. Now, that sounds familiar, too, to us modern-day Pittsburgh baseball fans. It got so bad in 1890, even the good players on the club had decided to bail and go over to more competitive squads. Many, in fact, jumped to a new team in the the Pittsburghers club who played in the startup Players League. 1890 record of the Alleghenies was dreadful. 23 and 13. Ugh. You know, it didn't seem like it at the time. But things were about to change with the fortunes of the team. And though who'd have thunk that they would get better? Much, much better. First, the Players League folded just after one season, and the players who had left other leagues to join the clubs were expected to return to their previous teams in 1891 season. The Alleghenies did see some returning players, but they also watched for other opportunities as well to improve their club. They had their eye keenly on a second baseman named Lou Bierbauer, who in 1889 played for the Philadelphia Athletics in the American Association before spending a year with Brooklyn's Ward's Wonders in the Players League in 1890. Bierbauer was, in essence, a free agent because his contract had expired with the Alleghenies. And being a stud athlete, almost everybody and their brother wanted his services on their team. Now, it was expected that, just like all the other players that left the, the Players League, that he would return to the Philadelphia Athletics. But not the case. He was not under contract with them. 
And one thing that the Alleghenies had on their side was a big bonus that realtors always claim, location, 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 because Bierbauer lived in the off season 100 miles north in Erie, Pennsylvania. Also, yes, the locale of your sports jersey and pigskin dispatch websites, podcast, and host. A place where I've grown up and I've lived all my life and I'm very familiar with. So the Allegheny's manager had was Ned Hanlon, and he makes a beeline to Erie in the dead of winter to start talking to Lou B. Well, anybody that's been in Erie, Pennsylvania during the winter will know it's not a pleasant place on the Great Lakes. You get a lot of snow, a lot of cold, and it's brutal. And according to a Sporting News magazine founder, Alfred Spink, in a 1910 book he wrote called The National Game, which is one of the very first uh, great histories of the game of baseball, Hanlon traveled to the northwest corner of Pennsylvania in the dead of winter. And take it from me, it's not a trip for the weary-hearted. In fact, Spink says that Hanlon had to cross a frozen harbor. And I'm going to use a stretch of imagination, knowing the area quite well. The only harbor, really, we have here is Presque Isle Bay. And I'm going to assume that's what he crossed. And that Bierbauer must have lived on what we call Presque Isle State Park today, uh, which is a peninsula of sorts and at the time it was an island that has been connected with a land bridge since then not a whole lot of people live out there because it's a state park but there could have been people at the time who it's been known as though to uh, happen and it says Bierbauer lived in a shack so I'm going to say he lived out on Presque Isle and Hanlon had to cross the frozen Presque Isle Bay we will assume in a really bad snowstorm and a real bitter cold he gets to the shack of Bierbauer, and you know the second baseman probably felt uh, obliged to let the freezing National League manager come into his home by the warm fire after crossing that bay because it's quite a stretch. You're, it's not a you know a walk in a park. You're walking across uh, quite a distance to get from land out to Presque Isle, and uh, you know the the opportunity arose for Hanlon to be persistent and talk with Bierbauer, and he ended up inking him to play for the Alleghenies before he left there and to much, much to everybody's surprise you know the Philadelphia Athletics and other members of the American Association well they were livid they found out they couldn't sign their star and they accused Hanlon and the Alleghenies of utter piracy of their player piracy being the key word here and probably just to stick it to the A's just a little bit more the Pittsburgh club changed their name and adopted the moniker of the Pirates for the 1891 season and beyond and I mean, what a what a great story that is uh, to get a nickname, especially it has a lot to do with a place I'm quite familiar with, a winter storm in Erie, Pennsylvania. Who would have thunk my ba- favorite baseball team is named because of an event that happened in my hometown. And uh, just an interesting thing, well, that changing to the Pirates name, all it did was, you know, as soon as the turn of the century came, just a, a decade later, well, the Pirates started winning at the end of the 19th century, having those great players uh, like Bierbauer and others on there. And by the turn of the century, they end up getting a guy named Honus Wagner and some other great stars and won some World Series championships along the way and had a great storied uh, time, had some awesome players along the way, and uh, which we are all familiar with. And uh, just a way to get a great origin story that uh, happened nearby to me, something near and dear to my heart. And I wanted to share it with you, and I learned a lot about it. Hope you did too. So hope you'll join us in a couple days when we have our next story on the Sports Jersey Dispatch. And we have some exciting things to cover sports 
by the uniforms and the players and the, the people associated with the teams. We hope you'll join us for that. In the meantime, join us over on Pigskin Dispatch uh, for some great podcasts that we have there going every single day of the year. And we also have uh, some great stories every single day, usually two or three coming out on the Sports Jersey Dispatch on jerseydispatch.com. So make sure you join us there. Sign up for our newsletter. You'll have everything delivered into your email inbox every day right around 7 a.m. Uh, or shortly before and you'll know exactly what's going on on both podcasts, both websites, and we throw in also what's going on with our audio drama, Orville Mulligan, and what's happening on the Sports uh, History Network, which we are a partner in with some 24 other great podcasters. So, till next time, everybody, have a great Sports History Day. Sorry, but my pitching coach just called timeout and he's coming out to the mound. I think I'm going to get yanked for a reliever. We'll see you back tomorrow for some more great sports history on Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel. Get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.